Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Turn in your Bibles to the book, book of Philippians. Um, we're actually going to need the screen because I'm, we're going to read several verses in there. Um, we start this series called Joy for the Journey. You and I are on a journey. Did you know that? We're on a journey called life. And some of us are more near the beginning of that journey and some of us are more near the end. And, and we might think we know where we're at on there, but actually we, we don't know. Um, but we're on a journey, this journey called life. Did you know that the oldest board game in America today is a game called the Game of Life? Did you know that? It was introduced in 1860, a board game. And uh, it's gone through several revisions and updates as real life has changed along the way. Um, have you ever, ever played the Game of Life? You know, uh, it's a long game. <laughs> I've played it a couple of times, maybe maybe three times. So the journey, I think, starts right after high school and you have a, a decision to make, a choice to make about what direction you're going to go. Am I going to go to college and go into debt? <laughs> or am I, going to, am I going to start my career and you know, start earning money? Um, and so you don't really have um, the choice about what career you get to be, but if you take the college route, your options are, are bigger for future income and, you know, things like, like that. So, so you have choices to make. And then, then marriage comes along, and then kids come along, and then investing decisions, and then retirement options. And at the end of the game, the winner is the one who has the most wealth. Now, I thought that was kind of interesting. For 150 years, Americans have been playing the game of life and the object of the game is to be the wealthiest person at the end of the journey to be the winner. If you've ever seen It's a Wonderful Life, or if you've ever heard the testimonies of lottery winners or had plenty of money yourself, you would know, I think you would agree with me, that having the most money, having the most wealth, doesn't guarantee you're a winner in the game of life. It's kind of interesting. 150 years of that programmed into us. I think a better determining factor would be joy. But you know, joy is a lot harder to count up at the end of a game. So, the journey of life. This journey that works a lot different than the game of life. It's, it's real. But the decisions we make, there's a lot of the same kinds of decisions. And you know, one of the top criteria that we use to make decisions in the journey of life is joy. Will this make me happy? 
I mean, we we use that as our criteria. I mean, I even thought that might be the top criteria when it comes to choices we're making on a day-to-day basis, choices we're making in life. Will this make me happy? Will this job make me happy? Will this scratch my itch of my passion? Will this person make me happy if I get married to them? Will, will five kids make me happy or two? Five. <laughs> I have five, just saying. So, you know, so, so, I, I, I have never met a couple. I've not done very many weddings. I don't even know if I'm in the double digits yet, believe it or not. But, you know, I can tell you, 100% of the time, I've never met a couple that wants to come to the altar and hopes to have a joyless relationship. I have never heard one time somebody say, hey, miserable birthday to you. <laughs> you haven't either. Nobody wants to be Scrooge the morning before the morning of Christmas at the end, right? Nobody. Nobody. We, we get it. We sure don't want to go through this life without joy. This journey that we're on. It's important to us. In fact, I believe we're addicted to it. Because it's, it's a built-in thing. Because here's, here's a truth that you have to understand. Is God is interested in you being joyful. I mean, he, he wants you to be happy. Now, I'm sure that you've heard, as soon as I wrote that, I thought, well, what about that phrase, you know, God is more interested in your holiness than he is your happiness, you know? I mean, and we, we hear that a lot, and, we, and I, I think it's true, un, unless your, your happiness is contributing to your holiness. And it does. So we're getting ready to embark on this journey, another kind of journey, through the book of Philippians. Um, It's written by Paul to the church in Philippi when he was in prison. And the great thing about this book, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Paul's in prison, and this book brings up joy a lot. He like 15 different references to the noun or to the verb joy. And that's in a letter that has 104 verses. So joy comes up. 15% of the time in the book of Philippians from a man who is in prison facing death for his faith in Jesus. We're talking about a different kind of joy. The Bible's telling us about a different kind of joy. It's the kind of joy that we want to have on this journey called life. So we're going to read some verses from Philippians together um, just to to kind of get us going on this theme of joy. So as Gavin puts them up, let's read them. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let's pray. Father, your word is absolutely amazing. And the way that these ancient words come alive for us in our journey of life. And so we thank you for the opportunity to to hear from it today. We, We pray that our hearts would be good soil for it as you plant it in there. And that today it would bear fruit. And, and I would even ask, Lord, it might bear the fruit of joy as we look at that today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, joy. It's a very simple word. 
but it really has a complicated meaning. It's kind of complicated. So as we get started, we want to be conscious of some joy specifics. What is the kind of joy God wants us to have? Now, the Bible has 35 different words for joy used in over 150 different references. So if you think about it, Philippians has 10% of what the Bible has to say on joy, which is kind of cool. Now, I think most people would define joy as, you know, feeling delightful or uh, feeling glad, feeling happy, all those connected to an emotion. But when we're talking about uh, joy in the Bible, we want to connect it. it. It's correct. It is an emotion. You will feel it. But it's also connected to a source, a place where it comes from. Um, S.D. Gordon was an author and a minister at the turn of the last century, and this is what he wrote about joy. Joy is distinctly a Christian word and a Christian thing. It is the reverse of happiness. Happiness is the result of what happens of an agreeable sort. Joy has its springs deep down inside. And that spring never runs dry no matter what happens. Only Jesus gives that joy. He had joy, singing its music within, even under the shadow of the cross. So when was Christ singing under the cross? When he was singing the song of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're talking about a different kind of joy. There's a difference between the kind of joy that the game of life produces and the kind of joy that the Bible talks about. There's joy tied to things going on on the outside of us and there's joy tied to things going on on the inside of us. So there's joy from, from our circumstances, from the weather, from our children, from the, from the food we eat, uh, finishing a class, you know, uh, going on vacation, all of that. But there's also joy in the Lord. And so that's what God wants us to experience. Because you can experience that no matter what the weather's like. No matter what's going on in your life. Now, of course, if you grew up in church or if you've ever been to VBS, you know this is true. You might have just forgot it. Playing the game of life. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my joy. Don't start, don't start. <laughs> I just, just wanted to make sure you remembered that, that you knew this already. That's specifically the joy that we are living for. The joy that we want to live with on this journey of life. Joy that's coming from the inside. Now, how do we get that? I mean, we all know how to produce joy on the, from the outside of things, you know, here. I mean, you can go find sunshine today if you want it, right? I mean, you can. Um, so how do you get to the joy that's down on the inside of us? So you have to be knowledgeable of the joy sources. Be knowledgeable of joy sources in our life. It's a head knowledge. You've got to know what they are. But you also got to know, uh, know them in your heart. Or it's not joy down in your heart. Uh, so there's joy. There's joy to be found in the Father. In our Heavenly Father. Psalm 31 verse 11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So what do you know about the Father? How high a view of God do you have? Well, I promise you, it is not high enough. Mine is not high enough. I mean, we tend to bring God down, down to, to our level. We tend to look at Him like, And we look at ourselves, you know, we think he loves like us, or he talks like us, or he acts like us. And we bring him, we bring him down. And that is where we need the word of God to renew our minds, to to paint a clear picture of who our Heavenly Father is. 
And the clearer picture you have of your Heavenly Father, the more joy there is in Him. And so there's many ways to do that in the Word. Um, but one of the greatest ways to have a clear picture of your Heavenly Father is to study His names. What He calls Himself in the Word. I'm going to give you just a few of them uh, today to help paint this picture. He is El Shaddai, which means the Lord God Almighty. There is, there is no one greater than Him. There was no one more powerful, more wise, more perfect, more loving. He has no need, no worry, no fear, no confusion. He knows it all. He is everywhere all at the same time. And He can do anything. He is El Shaddai. He is also El Elyon, which means God Most High. He is God Most High. He is sovereign. He's in control. Even when we can't understand what that means and why stuff happens, He's in control. He is a sovereign God. Nothing is happening outside of His plan today and purpose today. Nothing. There is no one that you can give your worship to that is any more deserving than El Elyon, the God Most High. He is majestic. He is El Alam, which means the everlasting God. He has always been. And He will always be. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And He's never changing in all of that. He is El Alam. He is Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah. That's His most common name in the Old Testament. Um, anytime you're reading along in the Old Testament, you see the word LORD in all caps. It, it's Yahweh. Lord Jehovah. What does that mean? It means, I am that I am. I mean, you have to think about that a second. First, first spoken to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. God said, he, Moses asked, you know, what's your name? I'm going to go tell your people you know, about you. What, what's your name? And he says, I am that I am. Our God is the great I am. He just is. Now that ought to give you some butterflies. If you dwell on that very long. Bunch more names. Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. You know, what does that mean? Well, you know, when you ever, you ever see a... Well, we saw a Civil War movie last, last week when we started church. And, you know, a banner is the standard that an army takes out in front of their troops to identify who they are. So the Lord is our banner. He's who we take out in front of us into a day. And He identifies who we are, what we're about, who we fight for. He's our banner. Our God is called Jehovah Ra. The Lord is my shepherd. Um, you know, Psalm 23, the shepherd's song. We, we read that a lot at, at funerals because there's a lot of comfort in there. But you know what? It's a better, better psalm for every day to pull some joy uh, from the Father in, into your life. I mean, when you look at that psalm, God is with me. God is for me. He knows me. He knows my name. He's, he is guiding me. He is providing for me. He is healing me. He is chasing me with His goodness. He is my shepherd. That's our God. That's the Father. He is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. You know, when you sit down to a meal today to celebrate mom, or to remember mom, whatever you're doing, and it's, it's a good meal, hopefully it's a good meal, thank Him. Because He's the one that's provided. He's the provider of every single... If you experience anything good, 
He's given it to you. He is the one who provides. So there's many more. We could spend the rest of our time just looking at all of these names of God. But how's your knowledge of Him? How's your knowledge of God? Is it all up here? Or has it moved down to here? There's so much joy in the Father. There's also joy in the Son. I mean, Hebrews says of Jesus in chapter 1, verse 3, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. So Jesus is God in the flesh. He's fully God and He's fully man. In Philippians chapter 2, we're going to get into that a little bit. It's going to help us look at the incarnation. You know, this beautiful thing that God has done. So all that the Father is, so is the Son. It's just expressed in a different person. Okay? So Jesus, when He put skin on, He put on some of our limitations. And so, you know, we look at what the Scriptures say about Him. He got tired. He got hungry. He got thirsty. You know, all these things we experience. He couldn't be everywhere all at the same time. Um, he, he, uh, all his wisdom, his power all kind of funneled through his humanity. And, you know, and, and me kind of describing the incarnation. I'm not doing it justice. I'm probably getting some things wrong. It is a mystery of our faith that we cannot fully understand. But it is something we can fully believe. We can fully believe it. And actually, you have to fully believe that for your faith to be real. For you to be a Christian. The God-man, he came and he lived our life showing us who God is. He showed us the power of God, the love of God, the wisdom of God, the goodness of God. He showed us all of these things. The grace of God. And he was tempted. Tempted like we were. Except he didn't sin. He didn't fall to temptation. But then he went to the cross and he died there. Not for his sin, but for my sin. For your sin. And so, so that we could have forgiveness With God, not through anything we do, but from everything that He has done. He did it because He loved us. He did it because He loved God and He and He loves us and He wanted us to have a chance to be with Him forever, to receive forgiveness of our sins, and to be able to call God friend. There's some joy in the Son. And as you know, you know, God has names in the Bible, but we have names too in the Bible. I can't, I'm not talking about like Greg. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you can't find Greg in the Bible, I don't think. You know, he's, Mom, what are you thinking? <laughs> no, no, no. She, middle name is Paul, okay? You know, so <laughs> Mom got it right. Because of Jesus, we have names too. John 1.12 says we are children of God. Romans 15.7 says we're accepted by Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are a new creation. 1 Peter 2.9 says, we are, a cho- we are chosen by God. His special possession. And it, there's many more. We are holy. We are forgiven. We are righteous. We are worthy. We are valuable. We are treasured. We are irreplaceable. We are loved. We are redeemed. And more. All because of Jesus. There's joy in the sun. Joy in the sun. Does, it, does any of that make any anything bubble up? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's real. This is the truth. There's also joy in the spirit. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, what's going on on the outside of us, 
but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So Christian joy isn't about what's going on on the outside of us. It's about what what goes on on the inside of us. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 list out the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You know, God puts his Holy Spirit in us when we are saved. And then he, he works. And Galatians 5, 22, 23 tells us what gets produced as we abide in the vine. Fruit comes out of our life. The first one is love. The second one is joy. Joy. The Holy Spirit produces joy in us. Now, we might be experiencing Holy Spirit joy and not know it when things are kind of good, you know, going on around us. Everything's good. But, um, but when we have joy like Paul did... You know, like when the journey's hard, when we shouldn't have joy and we have it, then we know the Holy Spirit's bearing that fruit in us. And you can feel it. It's a real thing. It's, it's totally real, this joy. You, you can feel it when you meet God in His Word. You can feel it when you worship God in the storm. You can feel it when you obey God with sacrifice. You can feel it when a prayer is answered. And you can feel it picking up your cross and following Him. You can feel it. As believers, the Holy Spirit is living inside of us to empower us to have a life with God and to do the work of God in the world. There's joy in the Spirit. So those are the sources of joy. And we need to know about them. And we need to to experience them personally. They, they don't come up anywhere on the game of life. They're never going to put out a revision of the game of life that includes this joy. And that, so that's in our life. It's there. Um, but as we're doing that journey, we can forget about these. And we don't want to as believers, as followers of Christ. We want to remember there's joy in the Father, Son, and Spirit. So with all of that available to us, I mean, that's a lot of joy. You think about it. All that joy is available to us. Does that mean we're going to be walking around 24-7 with a smile on our face and bouncing our step? Well, no. Because that would mean the journey's over and you're in heaven. No, no, no. See, it's important to, to know the joy sources, but because we're on this journey of life in this fallen world, there's things we're going to run into called joy suckers. So I want you to be aware of some joy Joy suckers, you're going to run into them on the journey. There's nothing you can do about it except that you can run to the joy sources with the joy suckers and he will defeat them and transform them into something good. (laughs) So just to, you know, make you aware, there's four of them. The first one is circumstances. Circumstances, you're not in control. I wish we would have had a sunny day today for Mother's Day. You know, it just works on Sunday. Couldn't do anything about that for you. Never will be able to. Can't do it. You, you can't make traffic move any faster. You know, you can't reverse the doc's diagnosis. You can't unflunk the test. You can't change the points on the scoreboard. You can't add, you can't make this, the clock stop ticking. You just can't do any of these things. Circumstances have a way of sucking the joy out of life. That's the first one. The second one is people. Now, I'm sure that you don't have to think very long of a person that just seems to suck the joy Right out of your life for whatever reason. You know, they're critical. They're mean. They're prideful. They're irritating. They're always beating you in the game of life. 
You know, being around them is like fingernails on a chalkboard to you for whatever reason. You know what I'm talking about? You got the person, don't you? You're thinking about them. You know who I'm talking about. People can definitely suck your joy out of life. Stuff. Stuff is also a joy sucker. Um, you know, I tell you, I'm really liking the living room back there. I hope that um, you use the couch. There'll be another one coming this week, hopefully. And then we'll be done. And we'll be done. But I, I wanted to, to show you of how things can suck the joy out of life. Gavin, is there a picture in there? Yes, okay. So <laughs> this, this is a picture of what happened after I took the dresser out of the box. Three boxes. That all came in three boxes. And there was a manual in there that had 47 steps to put it together, and I have to confess to you that I had absolutely zero joy putting that together, <laughs> all of the way up until the point the last drawer went into it, and it was it was done. You know, the stuff has a way of doing it. You know, and it's easy to think that that things stuff is going to bring us joy. You know, like, I just had a bigger TV to watch the Colts this fall. I you know I, I enjoy that. Enjoy that better, you know. Um, my car's a junker. If I had a newer car, I'd be more joyful, you know. If I got everything I wanted for Christmas, you know, if, if I had that new kitchen appliance like an air fryer, <laughs> it's on my wish list. <laughs> really? I asked for that for Father's Day. So, you know, we, we can think that it's going to bring us joy. But the trouble is the joy that we get from those things goes away pretty quickly. And then all those things turn into joy suckers as we fix them and we maintain them and we give our attention to them. And we, you know, all that it just has a way of sucking the joy right out of it. So that's number three stuff. Number four is sin. Sin. Sin is this is a really tough one on your joy. I mean, it goes right to the heart of your life. With God, it pours water on the spirit of your soul and it keeps you away from the sources of joy. And I'm sure it's not too hard for you to think of the last time sin just sucked all the joy out of your life. Now, the good news about these joy suckers is there is an answer for each one of them. You just run to the joy sources with with them when they when they come up. So, for instance, when circumstances of life are stormy at home or work or school or church or the neighborhood or wherever, when when it's stormy, you run to the father. You run to the father who is in control when it's out of your control. You run to the father who's always in control and you trust what he's doing. You trust that what is happening in your life, he's got a purpose for, and you can rest in that. And when you rest in that, I'm really talking, this is real life stuff. You can do this today. When you rest in that with God, there is a joy that bubbles up. You will feel it. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So you take those stormy circumstances to our sovereign God and you'll find joy in him as he carries you, as he guides you, as he changes you, as he shows up, walks with you through the storm. Psalm 33 verse 21 says, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Now, when it's people, when people are stealing your joy, you can you can run to the sun. Run to the sun to help you find the joy that you need while you interact with this person. I mean, he's the one, the son, he's the one who told us to love our enemies. He's the one who said, pray for those who persecute you. 
He is the one who said, love your neighbor as your self. He's the one. And so he, when we run to him with people, we will run to him with prayer and we say, say, God, Jesus, give me eyes to see them like you see them. Give me a heart to love them like you love them. Give me hands to serve them like you would serve them. And I, I believe he will answer that prayer. And when he does, there will be joy. Joy in the sun around those people. Proverbs 14, 21 says, The one who despises his neighbor's sins, but whoever shows kindness to the poor will be happy. So run to the sun. Stuff. When stuff is sucking your joy, I tell you, you might have an ownership problem. An ownership problem. So all the stuff that we buy, all the stuff we take care of, all the stuff, all the stuff doesn't really belong to us. It's, it's not ours. We should not take ownership of it. It is God's. And if we do take ownership of it, likely it will steal your joy. So you want to give your stuff back to the Father. You let Him take ownership of it. And then when He does take ownership of it, that means He might, first thing He might say is, okay, you need to give that away. Just give it away. It's in the way of your joy. Get, get rid of it. And if you obey, I promise you, you'll have joy. He also might tell you uh, to use the stuff that He has given you for His glory. You know, one of the things I get to do on a pretty regular basis is to share this building with people in the community. It's like next Saturday, there's a wedding here from people that they live just down the street. You know, and they came asking if they could use it. And I said, yeah, how much? I said, free. Because of what Jesus has done. Because of the way he gave us this building. You know, we, we will continue to bless people back with that. And it just blows people away. It's bringing God glory with our stuff. Now, you can do that with all your stuff, with your house, with your car, with your lawnmower. All, all of that you can use for the glory of God. And there will be joy as a result of it. Uh, Luke twelve fifteen, Jesus said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. So we want to give it back to God. And then you've got the joy sucker of of sin, which, you know, comes in a variety of different ways in our life. There's sins of omission, you know, so we knew the right thing to do, but we didn't do it. Or there's sins of commission. We knew the, the wrong thing to do and we ended up doing it. And so, you know, the, there's lots of ways that sin shows up in our lives. See, there's secret sin. There's chronic sin. There's sin that we stumble into. There's sin that's just a mistake. There's sin that's a big mess. I mean, all of this stuff, lots of different ways. Yeah, but, but So even though there's this variety of sin, there is only one solution. Only one solution. And that is to confess it back to God. To seek forgiveness from Him through the Son. And trust in the Spirit to change you. To keep you walking in His way. David was confessing in Psalm 51. He was confessing his sin to God. In verse 12 he said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I mean, that's a beautiful prayer. Psalm 97, verse 11. Light is shown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. You know, when you're carrying around sin, when you're just holding on to it, when you just don't want to get honest with God, there's no joy in that life. 
There's no joy. Romans 15:11 More than that we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. You know there's always tears of joy when you get up from an altar of repentance because you end up in a in a journey of reconciliation with God every single time. Every time. He always forgives. He never says Come back tomorrow. When we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And He reconciles with us. So these are the joy suckers. They will get defeated every time by the joy sources. They are no match for the Father, Son, and Spirit. But we've got to run to them. We've got to run to the sources when we run into the suckers when we're on the journey. And that leads me to the end. Be becoming a joy seeker. Be becoming a joy seeker. And this is a point that, um, you know, I was really stuck on my alliteration thing. So I could have just said, become a joy seeker, um, but I had to do be becoming. And that's just a preacher thing, something I can't get over. <laughs> and I, I thought, you know, this, this probably doesn't really make sense. I mean, I started off the message saying, um, you know, we're making decisions based on joy. I mean, are we, are we already not joy seekers? Well, we are in a sense, but it's not the biblical joy that we're seeking. And you know, this joy thing is a serious business. It's serious. We're commanded to be joyful. We're commanded to rejoice. Always. Why? Because it brings God glory. It brings Him glory. Especially when the journey of life is going uphill in a storm, you've twisted your ankle, and it's getting dark. When you're walking in that kind of, on that kind of journey and you have joy, you, have to, you, you bring glory to God. So we've got to choose to be a, a joy seeker. There's an author, Bob Record. He wrote a book called Forged by Fire. And this is what he wrote. He says, right now I have, have been exercising the faith of dealing with the prison of pain. He said, unexpectedly I uh, suffered a severe cervical spinal injury. And the pain was so excruciating that the hospital staff had to heavily sedate me to put me into the MRI machine. The MRI machine showed that I had three major points of cervical um, problems. Severe damage. The orthopedic surgeon's assistant says, Bob, your neck is a wreck. You need surgery. So because of the swelling of these injured nerve bundles, he said the only way I could relieve, pain, relieve the pain is to take some prescribed narcotics and lay my head on uh, my neck on a bag of ice. So I didn't sleep very well during this whole time. Even the slightest movements send pain waves hurtling down my left side and shoulder. To add insult to injury, the physician said, you've got to walk away from work completely while you heal. And I love my work. And uh, you have to wear a neck brace for 24 hours a day for the next five weeks. So about halfway through this experience, I went out on the back porch where we have a screened-in back porch in our home. And the day happened to be a cold and blustery day. It was rainy and windy. But I was committed to being outside just to have a change of scenery. Suddenly, a bird came and landed on the railing of our porch and started to sing. On that cold and rainy day, I couldn't believe that any creature had a reason to sing. I wanted to shoot the bird. (laughs) But he continued to warble on, so I had no choice but to listen to him. 
The next day, I found myself out on the porch again, but this time it was a warm and sunny day. And as I sat there, I was tempted to feel sorry for myself. And suddenly, the bird, and I'm pretty sure it was the same bird, came back and he was singing again. Where was the shotgun? Then an amazing truth hit me head on. That bird sang in the cold and the rain as well as the sunny warmth. His song was not altered by his outward circumstances, but it was constant by an internal condition. And so it was as though God was quietly whispering to my heart, you've got the same choice, Bob. You will either let your external circumstances mold your attitude or your attitude will rise above the external circumstances. You choose. Now, we, we cannot make ourselves feel joy. We can't do it. But we can choose to be becoming a joy seeker. And you do that by running to the joy sources. Working for joy, using things on the outside of us, that's just, just, that's just life. It's going to happen. We're going to do it our whole life. And there's nothing wrong with it. But we've got to remember where the joy that is coming from, where, where it's coming from on the inside. We've got to remember the joy source is down in our hearts. We've got to choose to go after that because that doesn't come um, as naturally as the other kind. Because that's the kind of joy that you've got to have on the journey of life. You've you got to have it because that it will show up. That kind of joy will show up when the doctor's diagnosis says that the game of life is almost over. That is the kind of joy that will show up when a prodigal has gone very far to a distant land. That is the kind of joy that shows up when the future looks uncertain and it shows up when sin has done its damage and you're on your knees begging for forgiveness from God. That is the kind of joy that really, really, really turns lemons into lemonade. That kind of joy. So, a couple things you can do to be becoming a joy seeker. Get into the book of Philippians. Get into the book of Philippians. And get into fellowship with other joy seekers. And after church, go back to the living room. And there's sign-up sheets for a women's study that starts Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, every other Tuesday throughout the summer. There's also a Philippian study that starts this Wednesday, 7 o'clock, every week. Come and go as you can. But get in Philippians. Get in the Old Testament study about heroes of the faith with the ladies. Get in fellowship. We're not meant to do this journey alone. We're not competing with each other to win. We're trying to make it as faithful servants of God. The other thing you can do is get into serving God. And you can do that this summer. You know, VBS is still needing help. You can talk to Lori or Tanya back there at the living room about that. Jubilee is coming in July. July 13th, we'll have a big tent out here. Um, and now is the time to bring bags and bags of clothes to the church. Like now. Because we're going to give them away for free. All of them. But the best part about that is when people come and they're expecting to buy and we tell them it's free, we tell them why. Because Jesus has given us freely and he's told us to give freely. So we bring glory to God that way. And we, we like, you know, make people, they don't like, you don't like taking, you know how it is taking free stuff. People don't do it. So you got to like shove it in their car. You like, wait, you don't have enough. You need more. You know, <laughs> that's the way God is, right? We're going to love people that way. Just a few ways. 
a few ways to be becoming a joy seeker. You want to have that joy of the Lord on this journey. Now, uh, would you stand with me? And I will explain to you every, well, almost every week, Pastor Shane and I, we, uh, we have a meeting on Thursday and we are praying together and talking about life and we do a lot of laughing. But one of the things that we always try to do is we try to come up with a song to end the service with. And uh, so um, today there was only one song that we'll do. So I want you to sing this like your inner child needs to come out. I really looked for the verse that says, I've got the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. I'm sorry I didn't find that one, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to just thank you. Thank you for joy. You created it. You uh, give us the capacity to experience it. And we uh, count it as a wonderful, good blessing in our life, and we want to just pray today, as be reminded that um, there's joy to be found in you. There's joy in the Lord that we want to experience every day, no matter what the the journey looks like, Lord. And and I know that there's dark times, and there's hard times, and there's painful times, and and there's times when this doesn't seem to be true or real. But it is true. And so we pray that your grace might be that abundant in our life that it, it would uh, lead us to the joy sources and that we, in, in the, on this journey that we're on, no matter what's going on, we would find that joy inside of us and it would bubble up uh, from us um, and we might bring you glory because of it. Uh, so thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you for this day. Thank you for moms. Bless us today as we go. Fill us with your spirit and bear that fruit of joy in us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.